What a great song. It's one of my favorite songs, uh, Mercy Me. Um, I can only imagine. I love the chorus. Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus, or in all of you be still? Will I stand in your presence, or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. That's one of the great mysteries about heaven that we do not know. But one day, every single one of us will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And we'll have to give an account for the way that we live this life. This morning, we are concluding our Believe series. And if you recall, so far we've looked at God. We've looked at how a person can have a personal relationship with God by coming unto him for salvation. We've looked at the Bible. We've looked at the church. We've looked at our identity in Christ. We've looked at compassion, humanity. We've looked, uh, last week we, we looked at stewardship. And if you recall, we talked about stewardship, how we are to give our time, our talent, and our treasure. And this morning, that brings us to our final sermon in the first stage of our Belief series, Eternity. Eternity. You know, a man um, died and he went to heaven. St. Peter asked him, why should I let you into heaven? And the man said, because I've been a good person. And so St. Peter said, give me one example of you being a good person. And so this man says, well, there was one time that I went into this diner. And I went into this diner full of hell's angels. And they were terrorizing everyone in that place, especially this one little old lady. And so I just got up the nerve. I was so mad at how they were treating everybody. And I went up to that leader, leader and I spun him around in that bar stool that he was sitting in. I put my finger in his chest and I say, listen to me, buddy. You need to get out of here immediately. And these men, man, they had guns and they had uh, knives, they had all of these different things. And so this guy had the boldness to tell him and his friends to get on down the road on their bikes. And so St. Peter says, man, that's a great story. When did that happen? And the guy goes, about five minutes ago. (laughs) You know, there's a lot of jokes about heaven, aren't there? And most of these jokes are not true. Most of these jokes that we hear about heaven, we find Peter outside the pearly gates admitting people into heaven. Well, here's the reality, and we know this. Peter cannot get you into heaven. Peter can't get your friends into heaven. Peter can't draw you and help you gain access unto salvation to Jesus. There's only one way into heaven, and that is through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. You know, most people believe in eternity. Their doctrine about eternity may be a little bit warped, especially if you start looking at different religions and what they believe about eternity and how people gain access to eternity. But the vast majority of people believe in life ever after. A recent Pew Research study um, polled Americans. And 72% of all Americans believe in heaven as defined as a place where people have led good lives 
are eternally rewarded. The staggering statistic is that 58% of those same Americans believe in hell as defined as a place where people who have led bad lives and die without being sorry are eternally punished. Here is the reality. There is coming a day when every single person on this planet or that has ever taken a breath will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and have to give an account for the way that they lived their lives. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 9. We're going to look at verse 27. Now, we're going to be all over the Bible um, this morning. So just have that thing open, and I'll make reference to Scriptures very frequently today. You can turn to those. Um, most of those will be up here on the screen as well. But Hebrews 9.27 is our focal passage this morning. And it says this, And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. You know, Greg Lowry, last Sunday, if you went to Harvest America or if you were able to catch that through the simulcast that we had here, he said that one out of every one American or one out of every one person will die. Unless the Lord Jesus Christ returns, there is a hundred percent mortality rate. We realize that, right? Every single person on planet earth one day will take their final breath unless the Lord Jesus Christ comes and we will um, be absent from the body here. Scripture tells us that when a person dies, they go to one of two places. For those who have repented of their sins and cried out to Jesus to be their Lord and Savior, then Scripture is clear, we will go to heaven. Scripture is also clear for those that have chosen not to repent of their sins, they will spend eternity separated from God in a place called hell. Yours and my eternal destiny hinges on our response to Jesus Christ. Not only does our eternal destiny hinge on, on how we respond to Jesus, but every single person outside of the walls of this church, their eternal destiny also hinges on their response to the Lord Jesus Christ. Our message point this morning is this, you were created for eternity. You and I have been created for eternity. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, we read, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, He has put eternity into man's heart. God has placed within the heart of every person the reality that they are eternal. I wonder if that's why as young people we feel so invincible. Do you remember growing up how invincible you were? There was nothing that, that could bring you down. No, no ramp that you couldn't jump. No monkey bars that you couldn't climb. There was no mountain that you couldn't traverse. I mean, you were invincible. Do you remember those days? You remember the good old days, you know, before this body began to break down where we really felt that we were invincible? I remember as a young college student, um, I went with a couple of buddies of mine up to um, Lake Eufaula in Oklahoma, and we were out on the boat fishing one of the days, and as we were driving underneath one of the bridges, one of the guys that was with us said, my brother jumped off that bridge once, and that's all I needed. If his brother did it, 
then I certainly could do it as well. I didn't need a double dog dare, a triple dog dare, or any kind of dare. Him saying that his brother jumped off that bridge, that's all I needed. And so we parked the boat. All three of us climb up to the top of that bridge, and each one, one by one, we jumped off. Well, when it was my turn to jump, now the guy that I was with said, now when you jump, because we were pretty high up there, he said it's important that you go in at a straight angle. Don't go in there lopsided or anything like that because you could get hurt. And so I remember jumping. I jump off, and all of a sudden my body starts rotating backwards a little bit. I came into that water bottom first, and I was unable to sit down for a week. That was one of the things in my life that I would consider dumb. There's been many, many more, but it was one of those things in my life that I realized that I am not as invincible as I thought I was. So you remember those days when we all felt like we were invincible. And I think one of the reasons we felt invincible as children is because God created within us the reality that we're going to live eternally. C.S. Lewis once wrote, If I find in myself a desire that this world cannot fulfill, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. How true that is. Not only were you and, a, you and I made for another world, but you and I were made for a better world. This world, this world that we live in today is a broken world, isn't it? We can look around us and we can see the effects of this brokenness. When Adam and Eve disobeyed God by eating from the forbidden tree, in that moment, humanity's relationship with God was forever broken. And we see the effects of this broken physical world when we read or, 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 or see um, earthquakes, tornadoes, volcanoes, tsunamis that kill literally hundreds of thousands of people, flooding that's even occurred over this weekend or this past week, and we see fires that rage um, uncontrollably. We see the effects of the brokenness on this world. We also see the effects of brokenness upon humanity. When we think about death, we think about cancer, we think about divorce, We think and see and hear about mass murders or ISIS or Christians being killed by the hundreds. Brokenness is all around us. And that brokenness is a direct result of sin that entered this world. In Jesus, we have a promise, though. We have a promise of a better world to come. In Revelation 21.4, we read, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. This broken world that you and I live in today will one day pass away, and there will be a new heaven and a new earth, and it will be a better world, one where there will be no more tears, there will be no more death, There will be no more mourning or crying or pain. What a glorious place this is going to be. Point number one this morning is this. Heaven is a glorious reality for those who trust in Jesus. Heaven is a glorious reality for those who trust in Jesus. 
As I was preparing for this message, um, I came across a, a sermon that David Platt had preached. And in it, he was talking about heaven. And he said this, heaven, a place not of continual rebellion, but a place of full reconciliation. Man, don't you long for such a place? Don't you long for a place where there is no more rebellion, but there is complete, total reconciliation? The dominant theme of the Bible when it envisions heaven is a place where we are reconciled fully to God. In Revelation 21.3, we have this picture of heaven and we see this. It says the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will dwell with him. The picture of man and woman with God in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 is fully restored by Revelation 22 where we will be with him. And the imagery is glorious. We see that we will be like priests living in the temple. We will be like a bride joined together with her husband. We will be like children united with their father. We will be like heirs of a king enjoying their inheritance with him forever. And we will be like participants in the banquet of all banquets. Heaven is a place of complete, total, full, absolute reconciliation. This morning, obviously, we do not have the time to fully pull back the pages of Scripture and unveil heaven in all of its glory. But I do want us to look at some key truths and some key verses as we look and talk about heaven. So three heavenly truths. Heavenly truth number one is this. To be absent from the body is to be present with Christ. To be absent from the body is to be present with Christ. When a person dies a physical death, the body and the soul are separated. The physical body is left here and the soul is immediately ushered into the very presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you may be asking, where do you get that? Where do you see that in Scripture? We see this to be true in several areas of Scripture, but three that I want us to focus on is number one, in Luke um, chapter 23, Jesus is um, hanging on the cross, and on each side of him there are two criminals. And one of the criminals um, basically curses Jesus. And the other criminal says, don't you know who this is? We see here one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly. For we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And this criminal, he says this to Jesus. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. We also see this to be true the day that Stephen died a martyr's death. As he is being stoned. Stephen called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep. 
And then Paul also talked of the promise of being absent from the body is to be present with Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, we see, So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. And in the ESV version, it doesn't say to be absent from the body is to be present with Christ. But the King James version says that. In the ESV version, it says, Yes, we are of good courage. And we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And when we are ushered out of our physical shell into the very presence of Jesus Christ, we will see a heaven that's beyond our wildest imagination. It's in heaven that we see in scripture that God dwells. We see where Christ is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We see where believers dwell. Heaven is where all of those that have gone before us that were believers are today. They're dwelling in the very presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a place where angels dwell as well. And we see in scripture how the angels are surrounded by the throne, uh, in the throne room of God and they're singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Take heart and know this, that right now, everyone that has ever preceded us in death, that are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, are in the very presence of Jesus Christ. And we have this promise in Scripture that one day we will be resurrected and reunited with them. So when a person dies, they are immediately ushered into the presence of Jesus. There is a coming a day when Jesus is going to return to this earth for his church. And scripture says that when that day comes, the bodies of those that have died will be united with their spirit in heaven. We see our second heavenly truth is this. There will be a bodily rapture. There will be a bodily resurrection. This will be a glorious day because these broken, sin-filled bodies one day will be fully restored in a glorified state when we are in the very presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, Paul writes this. He says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. One day, the trumpet is going to sound. And when that trumpet sounds, our physical bodies will rise up out of the grave and they will be united once again with our spirits. But these, this reunion that is going to occur these physical bodies that are broken and, and, and sin-filled and diseased and, and, and wheelchair-ridden and, and um, all kinds of sickness and illnesses will be no more. We will have a glorified body whenever our physical bodies of today are reunited with our souls. Have you ever wondered why there will be a bodily resurrection? What is the significance of this? In Genesis chapter 1, we see God form man from the dust of the ground. Then he breathes life into him and he gives him an eternal spirit. 
God created the first man and he created you and I as both physical and spiritual beings. He created us as physical beings so that we can enjoy his physical creation in a perfect state. Before sin, the body of man and woman was glorified. It was in a perfect sinless state. But it was only after sin occurred that the body began to break down and began to become sin-filled. He created us as spiritual beings because he is spirit. And he provided a way for you and I to commune with him for all of eternity. When the rapture does occur and our physical bodies are reunited with our spirits, we will then see these sinful, broken, diseased, aged bodies be restored to their full glorified state. And I don't know about you, but I long for that day, don't you? Now, I long for that day when my body is no more broken and sin-filled. The third heavenly truth is this. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. We read in Revelation 21, verses 1 through 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city. New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. I love verse 4. Once again, it says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. There is coming a day in eternity's future when you and I with our glorified bodies will dwell once again as God intended in a perfect state with God here on earth in heaven. So we know that heaven is a glorious place. Here's the second point this morning. Hell is a horrible reality for those who deny Jesus. Hell is a horrible reality for those who deny Jesus. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, Jesus said this. Jesus had much to say about hell, as do the other writers in God's word. But Jesus said this. He said, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devils and his angels. Read that again. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Notice what that scripture is saying. God never intended for a single person to go to hell. His desire has always been that none shall perish. But all should come to faith. All should come unto and experience eternal life with Jesus Christ. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God's purpose has always been that man experience eternal life with God. But sin entered the world, didn't it? Adrian Rogers wrote, If you go to hell... You'll be an intruder. Hell was not prepared for you. 
It was prepared for the devil and his angels. But if you choose to follow Satan, you'll follow him straight to hell. Everyone has a choice to make. You can follow Jesus by turning of your sins and crying out to him to be your Lord and Savior. Or you can choose to deny Jesus and by denying Jesus and not repenting of your sins, Scripture is clear, you will experience eternity separated from God in hell. Hell is a real place, and those that choose not to follow Jesus will spend all of eternity there. Think about eternity. You know, most of us, or I would probably say all of us in this room, cannot fully grasp eternity. When you and I think about numbers and life in years, most of the time we think and we measure it based on 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, maybe 100 years a person will live or we will live. We measure um, time based on single, double, and triple digits. But when speaking of eternity, we need to measure eternity by thinking about billions upon billions upon billions of years calculated together. Buzz Lightyear, you know, what do you always say? To infinity and beyond. Well, you know how to measure eternity? Think about infinity and then add another infinity to that. And that is eternity. A person that chooses not to repent of their sins and declare Jesus as their Savior and Lord will spend all of eternity in hell. A second ago, we looked at three heavenly truths. Now I want us to look at three hellish truths. The first hellish truth is this. Hell is eternal. Hell is eternal. In Matthew chapter 13, verses 41 through 43, Jesus said this, The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. In Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 14, we read this. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were open. Then another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. There is coming a day when every single person that has died in their sin and chosen not to follow after God will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. And like a judge standing in front of a courtroom, um, there is going to be those that are condemned. And the Lord Jesus Christ is going to read their offenses like a rap sheet. Everything that they have ever done that has caused them to fall short of the glory of God will be read from this book. And those that did not choose Christ 
will then be thrown into hell for all of eternity. I said a second ago, we're, we looked at how Jesus said to the thief, to, um, today you will dwell with me in paradise. To be absent from the body is to be present with Christ for the believer. Here's what happens to the unbeliever. Just as the believer is ushered into the presence of Jesus, the unbeliever is ushered into the pits of hell. And there will come a day when those that are in the pits of hell will be brought before the judgment seat of Christ and they will have to give an account for their sins. Okay? And then after that, they will then be condemned for all of eternity in hell. So hell is eternal. The second hellish truth is this. Hell will be a place of continuous torment. In Matthew thirteen fifty, we read, And throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus also again said in Mark chapter 9, verses 47 through 49, And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched, for everyone will be salted with fire. Hell is eternity, eternal. Thomas Watson said, Thus it is in hell. They would die, but they cannot. The wicked shall be always dying, but never dead. The smoke of the furnace ascends forever and ever. Oh, who can endure thus to be ever upon the rack? This word ever breaks the heart. Hell is a place of eternal torment. The third hellish truth is this. Hell is irreversible. In Revelation 14, 11, we read, and the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night. The doctrine of hell is not preached much in our pulpits today. In our churches today, Hell is not preached. And the number one reason for that is because pastors do not want to offend the congregants. And congregants, the vast majority of them, do not want to hear negative things preached from the pulpit. They would rather experience a warm fuzzy than to experience the truth of God's word. We should come to church every single week not to have a warm fuzzy or to get a warm fuzzy. We should come to church week in and week out so that we can have an encounter with our living God. You know, pastors of old used to preach hell, fire, and brimstone sermons. Chief, I bet you've preached a couple of those in the past, haven't you? Hell, fire, and brimstone are the kind of sermons that used to be preached week in and week out from pulpits. And the reason they were preached is because these pastors wanted everyone in earshot to understand the reality of life and death. There is coming a day when every single person will take their final breath on earth. And scripture says in Philippians chapter 2 that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ Christ is Lord. 
the reality is that that is going to happen on this side of eternity or it's going to happen on the other side of eternity. For those that choose not to kneel on this side of eternity but do it on the other side of eternity, they'll do it in the pits of hell. But for them, it will be too late. I promise you, every single person that's in hell today is crying out for mercy to the Lord. I say I promise that. I imagine that is what they are doing. Because they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they are in hell because they chose not to follow Jesus, not to repent of their sin, and as a result, they are experiencing eternal condemnation. Tim Keller commented, And said, if Jesus, the Lord of love and author of grace, spoke about hell more often and in a more vivid, blood-curdling manner than anyone else, it must be a crucial truth. It is a crucial truth. Heaven is a glorious reality for those who trust in Jesus. Hell is a horrible reality for those who deny Jesus. The third point is this. What you believe about the afterlife impacts how you live this life. Jeremy Taylor said, God hath given man a short time here upon earth, and yet upon this short time, eternity depends. Every human being has but a short time to figure out what is important in life. Humanity eternity hinges upon their response to Jesus. Your eternity, my eternity, the eternity of those outside of the doors of this church, their eternity hinges upon their response to Jesus Christ. One day, each and every one of us will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And on that day, we will have to give an account for how we live this life. The believer that stands before the judgment seat of Christ will receive their eternal reward. The unbeliever that stands before the judgment seat of Christ will be eternally condemned to hell. Do you know Jesus this morning? If you were to die today, do you know where you would spend eternity? I hope that I've been able to paint for all of us A clear picture of the glorious reality of heaven and the glory or the the horrible reality of hell. I hope you have seen those two pictures this morning because both of these places are real. If you don't know Jesus this morning, then I want to invite you to surrender your life over to Jesus. I want to invite you this morning to know for certain that if you were to take your final breath on planet earth today, your next breath will be in the very presence of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in John 10, 10, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan's only purpose for every single one of us in this room, the unbeliever, okay, is to steal from you, to kill, from you, to kill you, and, and to rob from you. That is Satan's purpose, is to destroy you. 
But Jesus said, I have come that you may have life. We see right up here, have life and have it abundantly. God wants every single one of us to experience life and life to its fullest extent here on earth as well as throughout all of eternity. That's what God desires. That's what Satan desires, to destroy us. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God, every single person that has ever walked the planet, this planet besides Jesus Christ has been sin-filled people. They've been sin-filled people. And because of sin that entered this world, every single man, woman, student, and child that has ever been born stands condemned before God. So for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. Because of sin, because sin entered this world, the punishment is eternal separation from God and hell. The wages of sin is death. But you see right up here, man, right after this comma, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Jesus came to this earth and died on the cross for your sins and my sins and for the sins of those outside of the doors of this church this morning. He died for them so that they could experience eternal life. He died for you so that you could experience eternal life. Your sin condemns you. But if you repent of that sin, you will be redeemed and you will be reconciled to God. That is good news this morning. And in Romans 5, 8, we read, God demonstrated his love to us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for you because he loved you. He died for us. And the final verse that are up here is Romans 10, 9. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you're in this room this morning and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, here's how you come and experience eternal life. You repent of your sins. You ask God to forgive you of those sins. And you make a commitment that you are going to live your life surrendered to Jesus. You call out to Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior. And Scripture says if you do that, in Romans ten thirteen, we see, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you called on the name of the Lord? Have you repented of your sins? Have you cried out to Jesus to be your Lord and Savior? If you haven't done that this morning, I want to invite you to make the greatest decision that you could ever make. So the question once again is, do you know where you will spend eternity? Heaven or hell? If you don't know for certain where you would spend eternity, in just a minute, moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. I'm going to invite everybody to stand. I'm going to be standing here at the front. And if you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you want to experience God's forgiveness and you want to experience eternal life, then I want to invite you to come. Okay? I don't care if you're, if you're 
seven years old or you're 70 years old, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you want to know for certain today where you would go if you were to die, then I want to invite you to come and give your life over to Jesus Christ. There is no more important decision that any of us in this room can make today than surrendering our lives over to Jesus Christ to be our Lord and Savior. So you come this morning if you do not know Jesus. If you're here this morning and today the Lord is calling you to join this church, we invite you to come and make this your church home. If you're here this morning, you need to just come and kneel at this altar because God has convicted your heart so deeply um, for the loss that you are exposed to on a daily basis. And God has placed upon your heart and in your mind individuals that you need to share the plan of salvation with, then we invite you to come as well. Let's stand together and pray together. Father God, we know this morning that if we give our lives over to you, on this side of eternity and choose to follow after you and repent of our sins, then heaven will be a glorious reality. Father, we also know if a person does not choose to follow after you, then hell will be a horrible reality as well. Father, you you desire that no one perish. And so, Father, I pray right now that if there is someone in this place that does not have a relationship with you, they have not repented of their sins, then, Father, I pray right now you will so heavily draw them unto yourself that today they will cry out to you to be their Lord and Savior. Father, I pray that you'll draw the lost unto yourself this morning. Father, if there are some here that you're calling to join this church, then, Father, we will celebrate that. Father, if you've placed upon our hearts specific individuals that do not have relationships with you, then, Lord Jesus, I pray, Father, that they will, they will, that over the time of this invitation, we will pray specifically for them, that they would come to know you as their Lord and Savior. Give us opportunities to share with them. Father, we love you. And we're just blown away by how you have provided a way for us to enter into eternity through Jesus Christ. Father, move now during this invitation. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.